Okay, well today we're going to review chapter 4. And I'm going to kind of use the format I've used in the past. I kind of like to, uh, you know, it's it's pretty, you know, to review what we did in four, probably six weeks of, of, of classes um, is challenging because we kind of go through and get down to the details. So I'm just going to kind of go through and pick out uh, in, you know, maybe the first two-thirds of the chapter some uh, kind of important verses and talk about certain words and things that kind of struck me as being kind of key to understanding the, this chapter. Okay, so actually I have here, this is a uh, an outline by Brother Hal, which I changed a slight bit. And the reason I'm presenting the outline is it just kind of gives you another, we could look at this, this whole process of what, what James is talking about is, he's really talking about, he's talking to believers, he's talking about that they're drawn away from Christ. Something happens and he's addressing those issues. So you can look at it as temptations to, you know, to not be with Christ. So you can look at it. So it's a temptation to have these quarrels. That's what we're going to talk about in the first three verses. We did we did, did talk about and enter into conflict. There's a temptation to be a friend of the world, right? Uh, there's a temptation to be proud. Uh, there's a temptation not to, to be submissive to God's will in your life. Uh, there's a temptation to judge or speak against others, especially your brother. Address addresses your brother directly. Then lastly. Temptation to make decisions apart from the Lord. So that's what that's how Hal kind of divided up this chapter uh, back in back in uh, twenty years ago, almost. So then, then here's what I did. You think, Roger, you didn't do a very good job. You, <laughs> this is my division. <laughs> so I, anyway, and I'm going to use this division, and this this is what we talked to. We had like five weeks of study in this, so I'm going to use these these headings. So. You know, dividing up the book is not inspired, and men do it, um, but Scripture many times shows you how to do it. So, anyway, so let's look at the first two verses, and this is under the kind of the heading of quarrels and conflict. And I'd like to make this um, maybe more interactive than usually, but, you know, you don't feel that you have to respond, but if you, you know, if the spirit moves you, as they say, <laughs> so we'll see. So let's start off here. It says, what is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source of your pleasures, waging war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not, you do not have because you do not ask. So the, so the first question is, <clears throat> um, you know, he's, James is talking to believers here, right? Probably Jewish believers, most likely. Um, so why, um, why is he doing this? <laughs> I guess you know, things. You think things are bad? Well, things are bad in well, the body. Believe, you know. So, so why is he? Does something in this verse tell you why he's doing it? I guess is it. Can you? That's that's kind of my question. And if you have a thought, you know. If you don't, I'll I'll just carry on. So. Well, we all have a sin nature. Okay, you know? Jim, you, you you get a you get a gold star because that's where I'm ultimately heading here, and you you caught right onto it, and that's a good, excellent point. And yeah. I think we're going to see that James, even though he never says it directly, the word sin nature, he certainly talks to that point. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, and then the next question is, and this is just exactly where we're headed. <laughs> what does he say the source is? So, so in this verse right here, he doesn't say sin nature, but he says 
So he says something else is a, is a source. So what's the source that he points out? It's in the verse. <laughs> okay, I heard pleasures in the, here in that room. Cravings so, that are at war within you. All right, okay, all that. I mean, he, he talks, he uses various words, right, to talk about that. Uh, so he says the source is, and so it's from the context, uh, his answer is in, you know, the second part of verse 1, uh, it's the word pleasures, hedone, and if you look in the in Vine's dictionary, you'll see that it says uh, <clears throat> it's use of gratification of natural desires or sinful desires. Little light bulbs go off in my head when I see that, bing, 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 bing. And so I say, hmm, hmm, he must know something, he, he must be talking about something that we're, you know, familiar with here. So he's, uh, this word hedone, these pleasures, have at their root the sinful desires and the root of sinful desires of our sin nature. So I kind of went down that path. That's kind of, um, and I think, I don't know, I, do you guys, I wasn't here for when Miles taught, I kind of think I saw Miles had one of the, his tree pictures in the presentation. That's back six weeks ago. So I don't know whether you remember. Anyway, it's not Miles went down that path too. I, I didn't, of course I didn't listen to the class, so. So James, to my mind, he's linking the believer's action to their sin nature. <clears throat> he doesn't say that directly, but he is by <clears throat> the words he uses. Uh, and he says they're waging they're waging war in their members. And this is another kind of red flag that went off in my mind. Can you think of a verse or verses that talk about in a in a book that talks about some kind of conflict in the believer? It's a real real familiar chapter, real familiar book and chapter that talks about these conflicts of the believers. Romans 7. What's that? Romans 7. Okay, well, that's one place. Others you can think of? And if you don't think of it, you know, you don't get you don't get the merits. <laughs> so, uh, anybody in uh, Zoom land out there? <laughs> uh, okay, well, if you don't, that's okay. I'll, this is what <clears throat> This is what occurred to me. I thought of Galatians. I mean, it just seems like this kind of really fit well. Galatians uh, 5.17. For the flesh, another word for the sin nature. Uh, the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So to my mind, when he says, you know, we have these this, this pleasures, these sinful uh, desires and they're waging war. It boy, it sets up that that battle that the, that the believer has between the flesh and the spirit. So I thought it's just really cool. I mean, you, you look at this and you say, "Wow, here's James talking about stuff that Paul talks about." Amazing. <laughs> maybe they had the, maybe they had the same source. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Um, so I think there's uh, it's correctly. Capitalized spirit is correctly capitalized. I think it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, I I agree. It's the 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 the, the battle is, and this is often, you know, we we taught actually we taught Galatians anyway. The battle is really not between your spirit; it's between the Holy Spirit that's within you and the flesh. That and that's my, the battle. My flesh. Your flesh, exactly. Yeah. 
The so it's the Holy Spirit within you my flesh and, and your flesh. And things are not getting done because of you know. <laughs> your flesh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're the one, Jim, so that's the one I should come and talk with. <laughs> the rest of us are, hey, we're, 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 we're sailing along really fine. Right, yeah. Well, you know, because of that battle, I can't do what I want to do, really. Amen. You know, it's just, it's just, it, it, it is frustrating. It is. Well, have you thought about this? Something just kind of, and I, I thought of this on and off for various times. Think about the amount of scripture that is dedicated to admonitions for the believer to live a certain way. Right. I mean, it is, I don't, I haven't tallied it up, but there's just admonition after admonition after mm-hmm. admonition. Well, I thought, well, why in the world, mm-hmm. if we've already, quote, arrived at some teach, mm-hmm. why all these verses about you know, walk by the Spirit. It. Why all these verses that say that? There must be a reason for those verses. And the reason is we've got a battle. Yeah. Well, at least in Ephesians, he spends half of the book telling, telling us where we are. Right. And the other half of the bill, uh, book, how we should live. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And he does that, Paul does that in a lot of his letters. And I don't know how much, you right. know, I've never really accrued how much time he spends or how much amount of each book he spent, but at least in Ephesians, it's half and half, you know? Yep, that's true, and that's very very typical. He presents uh, the doctrine first or the uh, what we have, and, and we're, you know, we know the, the picture in Scripture is we're to count upon that, rely upon that, trust upon that, believe that about ourselves so that we can walk in accordance with that. So, yeah. But it is interesting. So right here, James, James is laying it right in the line, and he's going to, He's going to keep going here. He just, he hammers it, right? He's just going to say, you've got some issues here, brother and sister, and you know, and he uses some really strong words. Okay, so that's, that's a, that's verse one. Okay, verse two. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Pretty strong words here. So, so second, he lists it's sort of a list, if you will. And actually, I didn't mention this before. The word pleasures is a word, it's a word for hedonism in the English. And so that, that kind of gives another little twist. It's, it's all about the sin nature, but that's, you know, that's kind of where, where man's at, you know. And if it's pleasurable, you know, how can it be wrong? There's a song that was a Pat Boone or how can it be wrong? His sister or daughter or his daughter. How can it be? Help, help with the words. If it feels so right, how can it be wrong? Yes, right. Like if it feels yeah. if it feels so good, how can it? Be, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's basically that. If it's pleasurable, then how can it be wrong? Well, <laughs> you haven't read, read scripture, uh, our brother and sister. Go ahead. Um, you know, uh, in Mounts' Greek dictionary, uh, he says uh, it's pleasure gratification. means pleasure Hedone. gratification, especially sensual pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, exactly. It's very appealing to the emotions. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why, you know, it's it's not like the, you know, um, it's pleasurable to sin. (laughs) It is, is. and that's why that's why you know it makes it makes otherwise otherwise nobody would do it. (laughs) That's right. If it felt bad, we wouldn't do it. Otherwise, it's called work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So here's a list. Was there a question out there? Yeah, uh, Roger. Yeah. This is Ron. 
Um, you mentioned, you know, why is there so many admonitions uh-huh. in Scripture? Uh-huh. And just uh, relating that to what you just mentioned is that how would we know what the Holy Spirit's doing if we didn't uh-huh. have those admonitions? Uh-huh. And and his perspective of our flesh and the warfare that he is waging. Right, right. No, that's good. No, I agree. Amen. That's that's. I think that's you know, and 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 we're reminded of that you know, in so many you know, uh, verses of scripture, we're reminded, and the admonition is to to walk in a certain way. You know, walk worthy and so on, like in Ephesians. There, right. you're right. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, Roger, Roger, can I make yeah, a comment? Sure. Well, I was, good morning. Um, morning. I was just, I was just, as I keep listening to the presentations on James, I can't help myself but think that he's talking to a group of very proud Jewish Jewish believers who are proud of their law. Right. And it's almost like he's taking us back to Romans one, two, and three, and and showing us that all these things that he's talking about, it's impossible for us to overcome. It's the it's the life. It's the glorified right. Lord living through us, and that's and so that's where I, I you can get tripped up so easy with James. It's like you just none of this stuff can I do. It's like it's <laughs> right. the Lord doing it through me, right? So right. Oh, that's good. That's a good observation. That's great. That's great. Yeah, because he he lists. I mean, he's just very practical. He's going to list right here all these things, and some of them are you know you kind of you scratch your head. He says he really literally saying that, and I'm going to get to that just in a second here. So here's his list here in, t- in two. You lust, or actually that word is for, that's a word for desire. You desire and do not have. So you commit murder. Now, is that a figure? Was he really saying they commit real murder, or is that? Not, and I'm not going to address. I don't know whether we address that or not, but I'm not going to exactly address. It's bad, you know. <laughs> whether you do it figuratively, I'm murdering your mind. If you murder somebody in your mind, or Actually, do it. Or Jesus said, if you have hate, hate in your mind. That's good. Excellent. <clears throat> You're envious and cannot obtain. All this is about unfulfilled. No, they can't. You can't fulfill this. You fight, and you so you fight and quarrel. So, so, so what? What this? So keep keeping on the track of this is. You know, James is speaking to the sin nature, and we we have the advantage of looking at Paul. We say, well, Paul talked about this. He talked about this sinful nature. And in, in 519, he said, talking about the sinful nature, the deeds of the flesh. And, and some of them match up exactly with what James's list. Uh, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, uh, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And of course, in, in, you know, Paul gives a, he talks, you know, you know, walk in the spirit is a, is, is an admonition there in, in, um, Galatians. But, but, but James is laying out for us here. Here's the things that, here's what you're doing, brothers and sisters. And then he, um, and he, here's an interesting thing. And the last, last part, the last little sentence there in two, he says, you do not, you do not have because you do not ask. And I, I said, I kind of added the idea because it just kind of occurred to me that you could add in there. You don't have satisfaction because you do not ask. And it, it kind of occurred to me he's referring indirectly to the only source 
of, you know, you do all these things because of your pleasures, your pleasures driving this, your sin is just driving this, because you don't, the only satisfaction is in God. So he kind of ends it with, if you ask of God, he's the source of satisfaction, he's the source, he's the answer to this. And he kind of says that, just in that short little statement at the end, you do not have because you do not ask. Okay. Any thoughts about that? Or I was, I was going to go on to, this is kind of a short, go ahead. Well, that would be a good example of Paul and when he, the thorn in the flesh when he prayed, what, three times to take it away and God Excellent. didn't. And so the satisfaction came, well, I guess I'm going to live with it. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim, you had know, something to do? That, that yeah, God, I, it wasn't God's will that he would take it away. I appreciate Jim's comment that, you know, just uh, James is writing to Jewish believers. Yes. And they probably had the mindset, same mindset as the Pharisees had. Hey, we're Abraham's children. <laughs> we can do no wrong. You know, so whatever we do is, you know, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter because we're Abraham's children. James was saying it does matter. Right. And he says, well, he's, and obviously it looks like they were, he wouldn't be saying these words unless they were doing these things. They, right. they were doing this. Right. Yeah. And so he's, and he's, you know, whether, and, whether outwardly or inwardly. Right. You know, right. Just, the, committing murder in their mind or, or yeah. you know, whatever well, it might committing be. Committing murder, you know. Right. I mean, Pharisees but, did it. Yeah. Right. Really, you know. <laughs> so. Right. Okay. Uh, what should they be asking? What exactly? Well, I, you know, it doesn't, um, let me, I didn't actually, you know, go down that path. Um, but the, the, the point is, are they, are they going to God for the answer, basically? That, that seems to be, uh, you know, you're fighting and quarreling and you're, you're involved in all these pleasures. He says that asking, or you can say, people, some people have said, they get into a whole discussion about prayer. They say, well, you know, they should be praying. Hey, amen, they should be. Well, maybe they were coveting and, you know, they... They, they were wrapped up, they were wrapped up in their pleasures, it seems yeah. like. Wrapped up with their sin nature. And, uh, and they were not asking, you know, you think they would ask of God, that's, you know, but they... Instead of asking God, well, we're going to take it from my brother, you know, <laughs> take it from these people. But, right. you know, they, like you said there, they had no satisfaction. Right. Because they didn't ask, they didn't trust in God right. for that, for their answers. Right. Okay, so let's see what verse, uh, we, we keep going with this here. <clears throat> and, and so he keeps with this sort of idea of asking. You, so he says, you ask and do not receive. So, so apparently they were asking. Yeah. But they weren't asking the right, so he's going to kind of clarify that. So I, sorry, Bonnie, I didn't, <laughs> if I looked ahead. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. So let's just stop there. So that's uh, <clears throat> so he's telling us they're asking. You're asking with wrong motives and do not receive. So let's think about this word motives. The idea here is um, the word is whatever is evil in character. So so I found that you could you could actually render this. You ask evilly. That's kind of hard to say. You ask with wrong motives. You ask evilly. And that's, I said, wow, they're asking evilly. So they're asking, and actually, I'm listening to different people talk about this. He said, they kind of went down the path, be careful how you pray. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And we'll, we'll see. I, I, I went down a path here and looking at this, so let's see what you think about this. Okay. So that, when you ever see a thought, so that, it's, it's a, the purpose is coming after that. With well, the purpose that, you may spend it on your pleasures or on your hedonism. 
You're spent, you're, you're asking and you're spending it on your desires, your pleasure. And okay, here's a couple of comments and uh, see what you think of this. Uh, I'm not claiming this is Constable has nailed it down, but he has, he has some thoughts here. We all, he says, he claims, we often ask God for things to enable us to satisfy our own selfish desires. Then, then he clarifies that. He says, well, for example, we request more time, more money, more energy, so we can do the things we desire, but God, but things we desire, but God does not desire for us. So he's kind of saying that we can pray for certain things, and, and I can kind of identify with what he's saying in some sense. Sometimes, you know, you think, uh, as a teacher, I would just had a little more time. You know, <laughs> a little more time I could have done, you know, and, and in some ways the Lord's saying, well, no, you have a job and a family, have all these responsibilities, and you already are taking away time from that already. You're going to pray to ask for more time? I mean, is that really the right prayer? Mm-hmm. Now, speaking for myself. And some people have money problems, and I have no problem with praying for more money. It would seem like it would be a good thing. But maybe you're wrapped up, you know, so I don't know. So, so what do you think about Constable's comment? Is he, is that ring true, or do you think he's off, off the mark here? Well, he's not off the mark. But yeah, he, uh, I, I think, or, or more energy. I, we all, I mean, who wouldn't, wouldn't you like to, I mean, as you get older, I'd just like to have any, any more energy would be fine. <laughs> you I know? think if we were more godly minded, we would ask things that are from God's will mm-hmm. and not our own selfish mm-hmm. fleshly desires. Right. Yeah, Jim, I agree with you. It's the pleasures are in view here. And if it's our pleasures, then it's the wrong pleasures. It should be God's pleasures. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, agree. that's good. The focus is wrong here. Yeah. We're focusing on what we think is best for us, but God right. may have something entirely different. Right, exactly. I've, no, that's good. I've that's got good. a note um, on that, that that we had talked, I think, whether Miles, I don't remember who did. James uh-huh. it brought the reference of James 1.5 and James 1.17. Uh-huh. James 5 was talking about asking of wisdom, so that would be the right good point thing to ask for. And then... Um, 17 was talking about every perfect gift for being from above. Um, but anyway, God, the things good. that God desires for us. So that kind of goes. Okay, that's good. No, that's good. That's, that's a good point. You know, take that back to the Genesis and when, when the fall of man. Right. Exactly, you know, what it says. Well, did they really say that? Mm-hmm. If you apply it up there, all these things. You'll know where it came from. Right. And, and, and what did Eve say? It was pleasurable. And yeah, it, it, pleasure. see how the same issues come up. Sure. Same issues are there. Well, it's pleasurable. And the Satan. How can it be? It's pleasurable. He just doesn't want you to eat that tree because then you'll be like, like him. So there's a desire. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But that's a good point. I mean, James already has someone answered that in the earlier verses that we're, we're asking, asking for wisdom and things. You know, that's good. Okay. So this is, this is, you know, we're going pretty quickly here. So the, verse four, <clears throat> you adult, so now it gets really pretty strong language. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Mm-hmm. So, so why is it, why do you think, uh, why do you use the word adulteresses? And actually I saw some different 
chat, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, though, I looked up the word in the Greek, and it, you know, it, that's, that's what it means. It means, an adult, you know, it means exactly what the word means, what we think the word means. It's someone who, you know, uh, is an adulterer uh, in their marriage or whatever, and it means exactly that. So, so why is he, um, why is that appropriate here, do you think? Well, we're the bride of Christ. Okay, excellent. That's good. That's good. Other thoughts? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you Macaulay's answer. That's terrible. I have the advantage of. I thought, I thought it was good. So here, this is what Macaulay says. I like this. Because the nature of Mary is exclusivity. Exclusiveness. Exclusiveness. Thank you. And adultery is a violation of that condition. Worldliness violates our exclusive relationship to Christ. Pretty good. Pretty good, right? That's, that's, that's exactly right on. I mean, we are, in union, you know, and the bride of Christ is the ultimate end of that. We'll see in Revelation, or we'll see when we get to be with him. But uh, we have this exclusive relationship with our Savior, and we're gonna we're going to be an adulterer and go off and do something else that's contrary to that. We're gonna that's you know. So the word adultery, adulteress, is it seems to be right on. And he he doesn't say adulterers. Yes. We're the bride of Christ, so we're adulteresses. You know, so uh, no. we're committing adultery. The same thing, same thing, Israel and Jew. I was just reading about oh, yeah. Ezekiel this oh, yeah. morning, you know. Israel and Judah, he related as women. Aloba and Exactly. You know, and they, they committed adultery against right. God. Well, the whole, the Old Testament is full of this picture, this, yeah. this metaphor, if you will, this picture of Israel being an adulterer and how they, God provided this for them. And and what did they do? They went off and went to foreign gods and did all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the same the same with us. We have this intimate relationship, this living union with our Savior. And what do we do? We go off mm-hmm. to the to the world. Mm-hmm. Pretty sad. Okay. So no, there's you know it seems like there's no middle ground um, uh, here. You know. And and that's kind of the, kind of the way you know if you look about the picture of the. You know, the battle we have between the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit and our flesh, you know, we're either abiding with one or the other. There's not a, there's not a middle ground. And then uh, this verse came to mind, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not him. Pretty strong, pretty strong stuff, but pretty, pretty apropos. So we, we we burn our TVs, we we become, become hermits, right? But the problem is, we still got our sin nature. <laughs> so, so here we often here we are often in the middle of no place with nothing, and we can maybe, maybe we, we go after the ants and the dust below our feet. Well, I'll play with the ants for a while. We forget about God. You, know, you can't. The sin nature is still there. So anyway. Yeah, the monks found that out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Roger. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, does that mean that there's you can't watch any more CU football games? I know, I know, and this is a great year too. This is the year to watch CU football. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, let's rethink this. I know. <laughs> and it means you have to vote. You have to root for TCU. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, and I, a little little birdie told me that uh, old that was what Bob was doing yesterday. So he's. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I bet, he, I bet he was. I bet yeah. he was right. Hey, I, I, bet, I bet the little birdie was named uh, M-I-K-E. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> anyway, okay, that's that's interesting. You know, okay, well, not so much about this <laughs> the CU thing, but no, it is. I mean, and that's something we all struggle with. You know, we we live in the world. We're we're of the world. So I might probably say that wrong. How's, how's the verse go? We're in the You're world. in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. So, and that's the that's the path we take every day, every moment of our lives. And so, anyway, I'm not going to. That's a whole other discussion. All right. So let's let's carry on here. So we you see we're now we're to verse five. Or do you not think that the scripture? Oh, here's this is Andrew's verse. <laughs> I'm glad you're on, Andrew. Okay. So, or do you not think that the scriptures speak of no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. So, Andrew, I, this is the approach I took. So, I I asked later on, do, the, do, you, do you remember what Andrew said? And we'll, we'll see that in a second here. So, what I did, I said, well, let's go. With Andrew's experience, I said, well, I'm going to go with the interlinear. That's got to answer all my questions, right? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I'm being a little facetious here. <laughs> so, in, in my interlinear, it actually uh, suggests a word order. So, this is a, the word-ordered linear uh, from, from the word search. The spirit which he caused to dwell in us desires us with jealousy. So that, that, and it's even tough. So then I said, well, I'll go to my old buddy Weist. He's got to answer this question for me, right? Mm-hmm. And he, this is pretty good, I thought. The spirit, and he capitalized the spirit here, <clears throat> who has been, who has been caused, oh, I can't even read it right. The spirit who has been caused to make his permanent home in us has a passionate desire to the point of envy. Mm-hmm. Wow, now that, I, 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 that gave me a little more of a handle. I said, I think I, Got a handle on this. So, so then I ask, does anyone remember <laughs> what the conclusion we came to? So, Andrew, remember what was the conclusion uh, uh, from this? I'll, I'll let you speak to that. Well, I like those. I like the Weist a lot, and I like the interlinear. The Weist is really good. I thought so but, too. Um, and in my lesson, I was comparing it. To, I went back to the. Old Testament. You did, you did. Yeah, to Balaam. Uh, but if you think about it, it's the same Holy Spirit, right? He would Actually. jealously desire Israel back then in that economy. And so with us, the church, it's he has that same uh, desiring, I guess. For right, us. absolutely. And I just thought of this. It's uh, We were talking about marriage and exclusivity. Right. Well, it makes sense that he would be it's it's right for a husband to be jealous of his wife, oh yeah of his wife right mm-hmm. so same thing I think mm-hmm. it's just, I think that's all he's saying yeah no um, it, it, it links back to, it links back to four no I I agree with you that's that's great oh and the only other thing I had was and it's still an open question with me is whether the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh that lust and this 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 jealousy jealously desiring is it the same thing or is it just a shade different and I don't know. I don't know. You know? Yeah, so I'm not sure I can answer that either. Um right. Hmm. Okay. Could I uh, share something? Go ahead, Roy. Um in the amplified it, it, it takes into account the previous verse four. Whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Uh, Being a friend of the world means you're lusting 
with jealousy after the things of the world. Do you really think that the Holy Spirit that's been placed in you does that? Does he lust after the things of the world with he wants it? No. Is he jealous of the world? That's the context, and that's the way it's taken, by the way. And I, I sort of lean that direction that what he's saying is, are you thinking this way? He's not that way. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I had not thought of that, that that approach, Roy. Interesting. Interesting. That's good too. That's good too. I like that. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, the, the, this is the way I went. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So the key word is jealousy here, right? Mm-hmm. And um, God's jealousy, it seems like, via the Holy Spirit, seems to be what He's talking about. And look at the next verse. It starts with "but" in contrast to that. Right. That's a good point. Good point, Roy. Um, so I, I basically went back to um, verse 4, and I said, <clears throat> uh, but this is in, in contrast to loving the world. So I, I was doing a contrast here. So I can't, I use this verse, and I was trying to get the point that God is, is jealous for us. He, he, you know, we're his temple, so I use this verse. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? So I thought it was almost like God is, the world's tugging you, this, this is a little bit different than what you said, Roy. The world is, the world is tugging you one way, and the Holy Spirit is tugging you the other way. That's kind of what I, you know, that, that's a path I went down. But I see, I see your point, uh, from what you said too. Anyway, so. Also, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.16. It says, what agreement does God's sanctuary have with idols? Right. For we are the sanctuary of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. God jealously desires. Well, he, he, he want, I mean, we're his, we're his children. I mean, just like, don't you want your, if you see your children off doing something, you yank them away from, yeah, Ronnie talks about her, her family and then we do it too. Uh, we like to have our, Kids playing with our own family. I mean, not that when she was a little girl, her mom <laughs> would quietly shoo the other kids out the door and say, "What you girls play together?" They had three girls, so they could do that. So, you know, you you desire your own to be with you, and you know, not to be quote corrupted by the world. That's, well, that all comes out of his love. Yes, it does. It does. Okay, so that's that's kind of the path I went down. So, so let's go ahead and address the next part of this here. <clears throat> but always right. But in contrast, he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, "God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Okay. So I like you know Andrew pointed this out. <clears throat> God is giving mega grace. I like this. <laughs> He's not just giving. It's Burma say teensy eensy grace. He's giving mega grace. I, I like that, right? And, and boy, that just goes right into what we've been talking about in the main service. And the law came in so that transgressions would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And you know that word, that Greek word there is the idea of superabounding. And I like what we said. And it's not just superabounding, but you got more added on top. It's superabounding plus. I mean, that's God's grace. But what's interesting here is, and this, this just really, I had not seen this before. Maybe you can guys help me out here a bit. <clears throat> Uh, now, based on this mega grace, 
He says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So why, see, did I get myself, so, so, so why is a, why is a main issue pride? Why, so, so how does pride, how does pride, um, uh, so why pride and contrast it with his grace, I guess is my big question. So why is pride the main issue? He's opposed to, why wouldn't he just say I'm opposed, opposed to the, well, it's a matter of, isn't it a matter of focus on okay. yourself versus the hand? Okay, good. Good, Roy. Good. Okay. Let's, let's see what I said here. And for, um, so I kind of went to this verse about lovers of self. Yeah, it's self, you know, this is self-focus. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful. Arrogant is really the core word of that is, it's a word for pride, proud. Revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So what is our definition of humble? Is it not the uh, correct submission to the Lord? Right, right. Let, let me just see here. I think I have. Okay, actually, let's go to humble here. <clears throat> so, so why, so why does this is it? So why does God give grace to the humble? It seems like you know when I thought about this, you know, God has this mega grace, right? We just He just said that. Um, but God gives greater grace, right? So he's already given us greater grace, but he kind of, he, he's qualifying it a bit. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. He's qualifying it a bit. So so let's look at humble here for it. Let me see. I want to get here first. And it isn't that he doesn't give grace to everybody. He oh. gives, but he gives oh. mega grace to those who will receive it correctly. Right. So, so here in Romans uh, 12, be of the same mind toward one of one of the do not be haughty. This is describing being humble. <clears throat> do not be haughty in mind. Be associated with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So I was trying to get a grasp on humility. I thought that verse kind of spoke to it. Uh, don't be not to be wise in our own estimation. Associate with do not. Um, so anyway, um, another verse. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And I thought about, um, actually, before I did, I thought about Paul here and the thorn in the flesh. And let's see. Remember, remember it says in there, he talks about the fact that why did, why did he receive the thorn in the flesh? He says, didn't he say to humble himself? To, I may have it off a little bit, but to humble himself or to, and, and, and once he realized that, once he realized that he might become proud, he said, once he kind of caught on, he changes in mid-verse. He just all of a sudden, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to, I'm going to get excited about my tribulation. This, that's what you want, God. I, I got the message. And he kind of, yeah, he kind of catches on to that. Go ahead, Roy, you had something there. Well, just that uh, what he's saying is, my grace is sufficient for you. Exactly. James here, my mega grace is sufficient for you. Right. Now that's great. No, good, good. It seems to me that when somebody's proud, he's put up a wall between himself and God. He thinks he has it all. He knows it all. He doesn't need God anymore. Right. You know, and that's why God opposes the proud. Right. Right. And I want to just share one thing here. We're almost going to run out of time. But this is a little thing from Macaulay I thought was good. Um, so he, he, he looked at this little, this verse here and he says, we know we see, uh, we see four concepts about God's grace in this verse. 
First, it's available, and he gives it. Second, we must realize it's adequate, it's greater grace, it's mega grace. Third, must realize it can be hindered by pride. That's pretty cool. And fourth, must realize it's condition, grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. So our mindset about, our mindset affects how we see God's grace. Or, you know, it, it's interesting. I, 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 and that's something I hadn't actually picked up on. I thought that was just really, really neat here. You know, God, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he's, he's given grace, he's given grace to all men. Just common grace, you could say. He's given specific grace to believers. But this is almost like an interpersonal grace, if you will. Mm-hmm. Once you, once you see your relationship to him and you're, you, you've humbled your, you know, humility is in that picture. It's like Paul, he, once he realized, he got excited about God's grace and God's grace involved him suffering. <laughs> I know. Isn't that cool? So I mean, I think, wow, that's really cool. Well, it's like called family grace. Okay, I like that. I like that. It's like Paul says a lot of times he, he rejoices in himself. Right. And he right. counsels people to rejoice in their suffering. Okay, well, we're going to run out of time here, but let, let me just point out one thing here real quick. Um, <laughs> okay, here. I'm just going to, I'll do number one. <laughs> okay. And, and I had noticed this, and I don't, I'm not sure I've forgotten. Who taught this section? Anyway, I apologize if I'm repeating what you said. Or anyway, this section starts from seven through eleven in this in this chapter. Starts a section where he has these imperatives, these ten imperatives. So I went through and I listed all the imperatives, and you look in the notes. I sent them out there, buddy. And uh, these are based on the greater grace uh, and the believer being humble, uh, humble attitude. So he goes through each one. And number one is, you know, uh, be, be, be subject, submit yourself to God, you know, line up. I'll, this is a cool term I love, to love, you know, you, you line up under God, you, you rank under, you're in, like in the military, and it goes on, it goes on to each of the ones. He goes on to resist the devil, and he will flee from you, draw near to God. And so it goes through all ten, it goes through all to verse eleven. So uh, read those, look in the notes. It's, it's all cool. So I just kind of went through in that mindset and looked at each one of these these imperatives, and they're all all instructive. They're all instructive about how the believer is to uh, and, and the cool. You know, like resist the devil. Uh, just real cool. I'm just go real quick here and I'll call it quits, I guess. But uh, whoops, not too far. But resisting the devil, and this just lines up beautifully with Ephesians because the word resist is this idea to to set against or to cause to stand. And what's the admonition? The admonition in Ephesians is stand firm. And this word is take your stand. I thought, man, this is just so cool. Paul, Paul and James are lining up in the way they phrase things through the Holy Spirit. Just, just really, and he's gonna, you know, so we're in the defensive posture as we, we talk about sometimes in terms of the, uh, the devil's, his concern. So just, just some cool things. Each, each one of these ten um, uh, imperatives are, are really cool to look at and, and, and consider. Okay, so we're going to start next week on, on uh, Andrew's going to start next week, I believe, on Chapter 5. So uh, any last questions here before we close? Yeah, great class, guys. Thanks for all the participation and um, appreciate that. Okay, so let's just close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time today, Lord. Thank you for the blessings we have. 
and just thank you for your thank you for your greater grace and thank you that that we can um, come to understand that and, and humble ourselves uh, not with sackcloth and ashes like the a picture of that but just in, in knowing you and knowing understanding your purpose and submitting to that and and uh, walking with you day by day we thank you for your spirit that uh, shows us Christ we ask in the Savior's name amen